you're listening to Shoot the Hostage. I'm Sarah. And I'm Dan. We're a movie-obsessed couple that delves into a different film each week based around a theme. This season the theme is Aliens, and we're covering eight extraterrestrial-themed movies. Shoot the Hostage contains explicit language and mature content, as well as major spoilers for the chosen film. We really hope you enjoy listening and stick around. So, Halloween. This is technically our Halloween episode, so we're kind of doing a horror. I don't know if I would describe this as horror, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Sci-fi horror? Yeah, I guess so. What are we talking about? Life Force. Mm, Directed by Toby Hooper. Yeah, first time watch for both of us. Yes. Potentially last time watch for both of us. I reckon so, yeah. (laughs) Spoil spoil it ahead of time. Yeah. Um, So, we watched this fairly recently, and... Don't really remember the movie, so I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> so you guys are going to hear me talk for the next 45 minutes. Well, I'm sure you'll say things and I'll think, oh yeah, the space bats, and then we'll just go off on a tangent or whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be, well, because also it's horror, and horror mm-hmm. is not really my genre. Um, it's definitely your genre. Why are we together again? Remind me. Um, <laughs> should we have this conversation off, off air? <laughs> Perhaps, think? yeah. Let's save Some it for the therapist. our grievances. Let's save it for couples counselling. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Who are we kidding? We can't afford couples counselling. This is it. Yeah, if you'd like to sign up to our patron. <laughs> yeah. Um, our Kickstarter. For, <laughs> how much does couples counselling cost? I have no idea. Like 50 quid? I think let's just continue this. Let's just hash it out as we go. Okay. So you're not a big horror fan. Well, you are and you're not. I like good, well-made, <laughs> and I'm not saying this isn't that. You like pockets of horror. I like po- Yeah, I just like good films. And uh, to me... You like Driven. Yeah, but I like that because it's cars. <laughs> like there are things like action movies I can forgive a lot if there's not a very good movie, but the action's good. Similarly with car stuff. But horror, if it's just someone running around with a knife, I'm like, it doesn't really do anything for me. If there's not something else going on, like a Get Out or... Uh, an Ari Aster movie or something like that it's got to be more layered so you're an elevated horror guy is that what you're saying yes oh no because I'm better than you that's gonna be very divisive <laughs> um yeah well similarly to to what you've just said with the the car thing and the action thing like that I that's me for this genre yeah for horror yeah um I'm fine with a guy just running around with a knife for 90 minutes mm. that's cool I'm all in um this isn't that though. No. This is a very peculiar film. Um, and before we dive in, do you want to do a little synopsis? Maybe to refresh your own memory. Yeah. Never mind anyone else. I can't do any harm. Okay, so Go on. straight to Letterboxd. Uh, let's read a tagline first to get as much information as possible. <laughs> in the blink of an eye, the terror begins. That's not very helpful. No. <laughs> right, so it's that not- could be anything. <laughs> Um, okay. A space shuttle mission investigating Haley's Comet brings back a malevolent race of space vampires who transform most of London's population into zombies. The only survivor of the expedition and British authorities yeah. <laughs> <laughs> attempt to capture a mysterious but beautiful alien woman who appears responsible. I was going to, I read that as reasonable. Um, she doesn't appear reasonable. She's very calm. She doesn't calm. appear responsible either. 
Oh, responsible for the idea. <laughs> right, okay. So say she she's a very responsible woman. <laughs> she's not. She's not even wearing a jacket. <laughs> In yeah. London, of all places. Yeah, so this is a very weird mix of things. It starts in space. Yeah. So basically, in my limited research for this show, I did read somewhere that the original director's cut was supposed to be a fair bit longer. Like this was under two hours. The original director's cut, I believe, was about two hours, eight minutes, something like that. And a big chunk of what was cut was from the, the first act. So there was supposed to be a lot more on the spacecraft. Okay. Um, which I'm kind of gutted about, to be honest, because that was some of the most interesting stuff, I thought. Yeah, it definitely, I was definitely intrigued at the start. Yeah. I'm just looking on here on Letterboxd, it's 102 minutes. I think our one that we watched was just under two hours. Yeah, it was longer than that. I think I think the one we watched was about an hour and 56 minutes. Yeah, but there's another cut, you say, potentially. That, well, many more, apparently. <laughs> It's interesting because I I listened to a, uh, a, the Mick Garris is it post mortem oh, yeah. podcast today and it was after Great podcast yeah Hooper had died and it was kind of in uh, dedication to him and he had a couple of other people on um, actually the metal plate guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre too <laughs> Bill Mosley yeah, okay yeah that, that guy and um, Stretch also from Texas Caroline Chainsaw Williams yeah there you go <laughs> um, but they were talking about a fair few things and um, Mick. Garris particularly mentioned um, some projects that Hooper had made and they just got carved up and different scores were put on. I think he was specifically referencing a film called Gin when he was talking about Oh, yeah, that, that. was one of his later ones. Right, okay. Yeah, I think that, w- that was sort of maybe mid to late 2000s. It came mm. after Mortuary, which was fucking terrible. Yeah. But I've never actually seen Gin. I haven't. I've got a really big hole in... Uh, my Toby Hooper filmography. I haven't seen a bunch of his stuff. Yeah. I think, you know, Poltergeist for me is easily his strongest film for well, me. For me. Yeah. Um, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. We'll get, well, I don't know. It's sort of, it's a bone of contention, isn't it? With film fans as to whether or not he deserved the directing credit for that, because it's so Spielbergian that, I mean, obviously, as producer, Spielberg would have held a fair amount of authority on that set anyway. But I don't know. It doesn't feel like a Toby Hooper film to me. Well, I heard uh, on the same podcast, they were talking about that very thing. Because that's the thing okay. that people, they always bring that up when yeah, they're talking people about get stuck Toby on Hooper. That. Yeah. And I, I get it because I watched Poltergeist and it feels very Spielbergian. Like yeah. you say, the music, blonky family time music. And it's the family unit and it just there's lots of Stephen in it. But from what I heard, he was very hands-on on okay. Poltergeist. He was, he did have a lot of ideas and wanted to contribute. Now, it's tricky because is that really different from any other film? Because all films are a huge collaboration to, to, to a certain degree. Yeah, but I would say there are definitely instances where producers are definitely more hands-off. Like a, yeah. a lot of them can just be the money people. I think... From what Mick was saying, Spielberg can be, you know, very, very involved. Mm-hmm. So he's a control freak is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, who knows? You're just a perfectionist. Uh, who knows? I don't really know the guy very well. So we've only met once or twice. <laughs> Gave me a stogie. So he's right he? by my book. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I've never met him. I just want to qualify. Him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sarcasm. I don't think he even smokes. He may smoke. Who knows? Um, <laughs> We're not here to cast aspersions on Spielberg's character. Yeah, just Toby Hooper's. <laughs> no, but for, from what I heard, yeah, Spielberg can be very, very hands-on. In that case, in Poltergeist, maybe Toby Hooper was quite welcoming of that. You know, if I'm working for Spielberg and he's got ideas, I'm listening yeah. to him. You know. It can only improve the project, which it did. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a similar case on the movie Used Cars they were talking about on that podcast where Bob Zemeckis was the director, but Spielberg had a lot to contribute. Right. And Kurt Russell would turn around and said, you know, who am I taking direction from, Bob Zemeckis or Steven Spielberg? Choose. And Barry Spielberg went, yep, yep my bad. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it alone. Okay. So I just think that maybe Toby Hooper, from the sounds of it, was just more open to just being more collaborative about it and didn't really fight it in the public because I don't know he he seems like he was a kind of a reclusive guy well and not very in the public eye it's funny you say that because I, I know very little about him exactly. so I guess yeah that that definitely backs up that theory mm. it was actually when I like I said my my research for this show was more limited than we have done so far but it was a bit more of a struggle to find interviews and information about him than it has been for any other show. I did a podcast search for Toby Hooper interviews and I went back like 2014 and I couldn't find anything really. I'm sure stuff is out there and it does exist, but usually, you know, if I'm looking for interviews with a director, there's there's loads, especially um, last few years where podcasts have really taken off. But yeah, I could find very little about the man. But, but when I saw that Postmortem had done a, an episode about Toby Hooper, I thought mm-hmm. probably a good one because they're going to talk a lot about his life. And they did. And they, they touched on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, 2 and Poltergeist. And they spoke about that stuff, which we've mentioned. Um, so that was really good. I would, I would actually recommend listening to that one if you do want to know more about I'm assuming the man. Garris probably knew him as well because I know yeah. um, Masters of Horror was a Mick Garris brainchild, I right. think. Um, I think yeah, that sounds familiar. And Toby Hooper was responsible for one of the worst episodes of Masters of Horror. Right. But- I don't know. I feel bad because you said like a lot of people speak really highly of him and I feel like I'm just going to serve to shit on his legacy today because i'm not a fan those three people spoke very highly <laughs> right i i have done i've not listened to any podcast with him in or, or know anything about him so i'm going to reserve any judgment on that from what i've heard he seemed like he was a pretty cool dude but who knows and he's not here to defend himself so <laughs> <laughs> we can't be too harsh he's already dead i'm not going to kick a man while he's down anyway. <laughs> um so you said you're not super familiar with his back catalogue um, but you have seen a few, right? Yeah, I've, obviously. Uh, Texas, we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre together, yeah. like within the last year or two. Yeah. And I mean, that alone cemented his place among the horror greats, if you speak to any horror fan. So what are your thoughts about that one? I think it's, I respect it. I think it's a right. game changer. That's very diplomatic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, good movie. It is, okay. it is a good movie. It's not something I would sit down and choose to watch but it's one of those where i i respect the i I guess it's something that a lot of people come to but i respect how graphic it feels without actually actually being yeah yeah. and it's all in the details in the sound Mm -hmm. design and what's in the frame and and all of that stuff so and also just uh, as a monolith of the horror genre Mm -hmm. and the industry in general i guess in the 70s 
that's just when slashes are starting to get off uh, come get off the ground and that genre is picking up its own pace i guess in the 60s you had romero and then yeah if you, you know if you have to pick one person per decade 60s has got to be romero 70s maybe toby hooper with texas chainsaw Massacre. you wouldn't say hitchcock for the 60s uh that's controversial i've seen rope which was very good <laughs> wow okay oh, what else have i seen i'm not sure i've seen the original psycho Seen You've seen the Goss Van Sant Psycho, but not Hitchcock. No, Get out. I haven't seen that. Get one. out. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, Hitchcock. But there's there's a few people. But I definitely would put Toby Hooper in that. Yeah. Purely for Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, and what it's done. And it's it, it definitely laid the groundwork for a lot of other films to follow. And yeah. offshoots of that genre. And you see a lot of, I was going to say recent movies like The Devil's Rejects, which came out 25 years ago. <laughs> But you see the influence in films like that. Yeah, massively. Yeah, hugely. Massively. And it's been rebooted and remade and sequels, legacy sequels to this franchise. And people seem to love these movies, right? I mean, look, the, the Texas Chainsaw films are of hugely varying quality, to my mind anyway. But they, they continue to be churned out, so they must be doing reasonably well. They're, they're a lasting favourite amongst horror fans. So, yeah, who am I to say? He definitely kickstarted something, didn't he? Yes. But outside of Texas Chainsaw, Poltergeist. I made you watch The Fun House. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Fun House. It's, uh, it's <laughs> it was really, that memorable. Really crazy show where anything goes. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, the, the, um, the circus, mm -hmm. the circus one. I don't, I remember the circus, but I don't remember what I thought about it. I don't think I liked it very much. I enjoy The Fun House a lot whilst also acknowledging that it's not a good film. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's a very good film. And I don't think it's very mem memorable. It has moments. Mm. Um, Gunther as a villain. But I think that's more to do with Rick Baker's effects work than, than Toby Hooper's influence, shall we say. This is something we'll get into a little bit later, but I always have an issue with the performances in Toby Hooper films. I, they feel too stagey, if that makes yeah. sense. They feel too theatrical, too big. And that made sense in the 70s, but it doesn't in the later films. Not to me, anyway. Okay, so his style just didn't translate in modern movies it as well for you. doesn't do a lot for me, no. Yeah, okay. Um, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that in a bit. So... Coming back to... Um, space Bats? To Space Bats, yes. Did you know anything about this film before going in? We kind of picked this one blindly because we wanted to do something horror adjacent for the yeah. Halloween show. Yeah. And we came up with this. And we thought it'd be fun because neither of us had seen it. And it felt like, as you say, a bit of a gap in our movie knowledge. Yeah. I don't know. It, it seems to be, I don't want to say highly regarded, but a lot of people I know really enjoy it. I, to answer your question, mm -hmm. I didn't really know anything about it. I'd seen the cover and I'd, maybe I'd read a synopsis. I don't think I had actually, because I think I would have been like space vampires. All right. That sounds cool. <laughs> Let's watch that 10 years ago. Um, no, I don't think I really knew anything about it. No. And in fact, we very nearly didn't watch it because we were scrolling through Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, it, it just wasn't showing up on our search. So we Unless to, you paid for it. Yeah. But we, uh, we got around that anyway. Details. Yeah, uh, sneaky, sneaky prime. Uh, I just we didn't steal it. We still watched it. On <laughs> yeah. We still watched it on Prime, but I had to log into my account where it was showing. Yeah, who would have guessed? 
Prime Bezos just doesn't like me, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a Canon Films production. Do you know much about them? That's the studio that skimped on Masters of the Universe. Isn't it? <laughs> well, and it's funny you say Superman that. Superman Four and Superman Four. It's funny you say skimped on because Superman Four, Masters of the Universe, and Life Force were their three biggest budget movies. <laughs> right. They, they. I believe they were meant to make a Spider-Man movie at one point. Holy shit! Which. Um, James Cameron may or may not have been attached to anyway. That like, would still have been better than Spider-Man 3. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, I, know, I know about them because of Masters of the Universe, which is a, a really good movie. Mm-hmm. But, the, <laughs> but apparently the, the story goes, that the, the final action sequence of that movie is just a dark room of all of the lights off and it's just close-ups of Lundgren and uh, Skeletor fighting. But that was a result of the, the budget not having any money to do anything bigger than that. But it, okay. it works fine for me. But Superman 4 is a big part of shit. <laughs> um, Largely acknowledged to be, yes. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go on record and say that it's a terrible movie. I don't know anybody who really enjoys it. Yeah. Unless in a, a kind of guilty pleasure sort of a way. But yeah, I, I believe that those were their three biggest budget films and not one of them on paper made money. So this one didn't make any money then? If if what I read is to be believed, yes. Okay. Yeah, Canon Films were a funny one. They were always a really low-budget studio. And don't quote me on this, but if I remember rightly, they ran into financial difficulties, I believe, in the early 80s. And that's when they were taken over or bought by Golan and Globus, who were two, I think, Israeli chaps who were super into films, really enthusiastic, and kind of helped to breathe new life into it, albeit whilst pumping out like Corman-esque movies and they worked with hooper a, a couple of times at least because i know uh, texas chainsaw massacre 2 was also canon films so i don't know they they have a history together mm. in fact i think if i remember rightly hooper had a three-picture deal with them right and this was one of those okay so th- it would have been this chainsaw 2 and i th- i want to say invaders from mars is the ah, third interesting okay so that's the next Toby Hooper film I think I'm going to watch is is that one. So it hasn't put you off all of them. You are I you are planning on well, watching more. Like you, I, I just I feel like if there's a gap in my film, you have to fill it. I have to fill it. Wee. Um, yeah, but I'm sure I'll get round to it at some point. In an ideal world, I would have watched it before we recorded this. But uh, yeah, it probably would have not been on Prime anyway. <laughs> Somebody would have been asking for money for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, he did the Mangler. Maybe I've seen the that Mangler. One. Yeah, with, I don't think um, I've seen that. Oh, that's got Robert England in it. Is that about a, a big oven that eats people? <laughs> Involving a folding machine. It's a folding machine. At an old laundry happens. Anyway. Old laundry happens? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, off topic. Yeah, sorry. I was just looking at his <laughs> filmography. It's, it's don't know, tw- 28 listed on, on here. Yeah. Um, Salem's Lot seems kind of interesting to me. I know that was severely carved up because I think that was well, meant to be a like a four-part, three, four-hour. Well, it was. Yeah. So that was released as a miniseries initially. Um, and then if I'm right in thinking, it was later released, um, as you say, mercilessly carved up as a theatrical kind of feature film length. The miniseries is considerably better. And probably one of the best things that Toby Hooper did, to my mind. But it's vampires. I'm biased. It's great. So taking it back to the beginning then, Mm -hmm. in space. Yep. The best bit. The spaceship. 
mm-hmm. in space. In spaceship, spaceship. <laughs> Where's Charlie Day when you need him? Um, Which apparently the shit was um, intended to look phallic. No shit. <laughs> well, they they usually are in sci-fi movies, but at yeah. least like they had the balls to admit I bad bad choice of phrasing. I didn't see any balls. <laughs> but they yeah they had the stones to admit that it was actually intended to look like a phallus. Yeah, well, you know, it wasn't very subtle about it, was it? It was 150 mile long spaceship. Are you talking about the, the space bat ship that they that was hiding around Halley's comet? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were a co- there was a couple because there was another one that I read that was modeled on um, an artichoke. Which also looks Which like a dick. Definitely does not look like a dick. Oh, it doesn't. No. I don't Have you know. seen an artichoke? Have you seen a dick? I've never seen a dick. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're a never nude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought you could tell by these denim shorts, <laughs> denim cutoffs that I'm wearing. Uh, yeah. Spaceship did look very phallic and it did occur to me at the time. I did think, hmm, that looks like a penis. Honestly, the first of so many. I, I want to say thinly veiled sexual metaphors, but I'm not sure if many more of them were intentional or if I've just got the mind of a 13-year-old boy. Well, do you, do you know the film that I was thinking of uh, almost constantly throughout this was Species? Species? Uh, well, yeah. Natasha Henstridge. Yeah. Yeah. Alien goes and fucks everyone and yeah. makes alien things. I don't remember that movie. I just mm-hmm. remember there being a lot of shagging in it. <laughs> Um, I can see the comparison, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Did I notice any other sexual metaphors? Maybe, maybe as we get into it, they'll come back to me. But you say that there was meant to be more on a ship, which is interesting because they. Were, I thought it was interesting when they went into the the, the space penis, <laughs> and then they just see, see these giant bats floating around. And they I'm, were great. And I'm thinking, what is this movie? Are they are they aliens? Are vampires aliens? Yes. Space vampires are aliens. Yeah. I don't know if in this universe actual vampires exist. Yeah, I guess that's my question. They do call them vampires. They do. And this it was based on a book called The Space Vampires. Ah, right. Apparently the author hates the film, by the way. (laughs) Oh, it's a bit of a (laughs) bit of a Stephen Stephen King and the Shining deal, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he'll commission a miniseries. I mean, the, the, it's such a batshit concept yeah. that I would watch a remake. Um, <laughs> it didn't entirely work for me, this film, but there's, I may, and I think the main problem for me was there's just so too much happening, too much going on. Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I don't want to jump to the end or anything. But one of my notes ship. was, <laughs> one of my notes was literally, it's an alien movie that wants to be a vampire movie that wants to be a zombie movie. Mm. It was just everything but the kitchen sink. Pick one, pick one, and dedicate yourself to it. Yeah, there was too much. The central premise of finding humanoid creatures in space, bringing them back to Earth, and unleashing hell—that's cool. Yeah, like, in terms of concepts, yes, definitely, I would agree. Like, there's something there. There's an interesting idea there. Yeah. Yeah. Massively. And, yeah, I really enjoyed the whole succubus thing. What does that mean? Um, succubus. Succubus is kind of like a mythological creature, typically female, that sort of feeds on life force. Energy. Like an emotional vampire. Uh, like yeah, <laughs> I know a few of those. Right. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, not, not vampiric in the, the typical sense that we're used to seeing. So to me, like the, the creatures in this film are more succubus like than vampiric. Yeah. But 
yeah, it was curious that they chose to call them vampires because they don't they don't follow the the typical rules either. Generally speaking, when you watch a vampire movie, they can go for a long time without feeding, whereas the rules here were it has to be within two hours until they like wither away and die, yeah, or become a husk and explode. Yeah, I, there was there seemed like there were lots and lots of rules in this movie, and I didn't fully understand all of them. And it didn't seem to play by its own rules all of the time either. Just quickly going back to the first act of the film, I have got a a few comparisons Mm. written down that I want to get to later. But the sequence where they go onto the abandoned ship and find all the desiccated people, is it just me or did that give you like sunshine vibes? Um, No. Even Event Horizon, like just crew of a ship finding an abandoned ship with dead bodies on it and like well yeah I mysterious guess, things happened I, yeah I, it hadn't occurred to me but i guess yeah there are also there are also spaceships in those movies i meant more visually <laughs> aesthetically like it's a trope we see a fair amount or uh-huh. have seen since um i'm not sure i'd seen it before this though so i think it's really important to mention that matilda may was largely nude for her entire eight minutes of screen time um i only found out after we watched it she was 18 at the time oh really but yeah i think it's when i say it's important to mention that like as we sort of said at the head of the show a lot of people seem to think really highly of toby hooper even patrick stewart who was in this movie uh, has said like many times that hooper was his favorite director that he ever worked with but so much of what I've read surrounding the production of this film just gave me big time ick. Okay. Related to the fact that Matilda May was only 18. Mm. Now, I guess the first thing to mention is that it was Hooper's insistence that she have no pubic hair. Okay. Which is weird, because if she's humanoid, why does it matter? Mm. You're just making her look younger, surely. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, he, he said that in an interview that in the early stages of shooting, they waxed her pubic hair off completely, thinking it would make her look less nude. Don't know what the logic was there. Um, in fact, it was worse because then her vulva was exposed, making her look even younger. So they had her grow a bikini strip <laughs> of pubic hair back. It sounds like a lot of unnecessary steps. It does. Because um, I noticed... Um... I noticed in a ship when you first see these three bodies, they do very strategically place objects in front of the uh, the guy's dicks. So I know, right? Yeah. This is what I mean when I say women don't have equal rights yet. Mm. Well, Why don't we get to see space penis? Yeah. It's not fair. Well, it was a big one. It was uh, the spaceship. <laughs> space yeah. phallus, yeah. No, I did notice that actually while we were watching the movie. But, you know, it's... I'm not surprised by that because people are afraid of dicks even these days. So It's weird, isn't it, that yeah. there's such a, a censorship issue when it comes to male nudity, but the same rules don't apply to female. Although, having said that, they I did read somewhere that they had to sort of film her in shadow some of the time to get around some of the, the censors' cuts. Right. But yeah, in addition to that fact, apparently Matilda May had to frequently remove her panties to allow Hooper to inspect her. Makeup artist Sandra Exelby talked about it in an interview. We had this big discussion about Matilda May. He said, I want all her body hair off. And I said, you can't do that, Toby. (laughs) But apparently he didn't listen. 
Um, yeah, and there's just like, there's a bunch of really inappropriate stuff that I keep finding. Um, so there's something here that says, for years after the film was released, when asked what the first thing is that comes to his mind when someone mentions life force today, Toby Hooper's answer was a very succinct and timid Matilda May. I mean, I'm, I guess a lot of people would say the same. Yeah, but um, 18 year old power power difference like yeah that would, that's that's not that's not cool is it yeah and apparently she went on record um to say that she was very comfortable with the nudity and didn't bother wearing a robe in between takes but i don't know man a lot of people get a bit older and would look back at that differently what I she think. said that at the time she said she was very it? comfortable with the nudity yeah at, at the time at the not, time not yes. now like I'd, I'd like well i don't I, I i don't know about now yeah um but yeah because they she was described that it wasn't easy to look away for the uh, cast and crew because she was to quote a gorgeous teen with an almost perfect figure yeah sounds very 70s but yeah, during filming of May's first scenes, there was a suspiciously high number of carpenters and set constructors present, so the remainder of her scenes were filmed on a closed set. Yeah, no shit. You just fucking you would it would just automatically be a closed set, right? Well, it well these it, days, yeah, th- there yeah, would be would intimacy now. coordinators. There'd be all sorts. Yeah, that, that sucks, man. Like just the chippies on site. Like, yeah, come on, let's go on set and look at her. Yeah, nah. gross. Absolutely gross. Should have been closed from day one. Yeah, and the make one of the makeup ass- artists, Nick Maley, averaged seventy to ninety hours a week during production. Most of it applying makeup to Matilda May's fully nude body to make it look perfect and flawless. Even though he admitted in it in an interview that her eighteen-year-old body was already pretty close to perfect, he joked once that he had no issue with applying the makeup. In fact, it was his favorite part of the job. Oh, it's so just, gross. Just lovely people all round in, by the sounds of it. Like it's not just me right yeah it does it does sound in today's climate it does sound problematic i mean i'm not he's not savile but <laughs> no, you know no it's not what we're <laughs> it's saying still but it's, gross it's weird like like you just said about the all of the crew coming on set like it's just it, we we know better now yeah and i don't know i wasn't alive when this was made was i alive when this was made I was one when yes. this was made, <laughs> but not enough to know about what was going on in society and stuff. So obviously people always say it's a different time and stuff, and that's true, but it doesn't change the fact that it's still a bit fucking weird. Yeah. Like and I'm an not 18 trying- year old just left school and trying to get into the industry, probably accept any job. And at the end of the day, like it's, if she's fine with it, you know, that's, that's fine. And I hope she is, but, um, yeah as a general rule i would say don't employ people to be naked if they're 18 and yeah and then go on record and say oh it was great wasn't it putting makeup on her yeah nah. doing vic reeves thigh robs weird i think so and I, th- I just thought it was important to acknowledge that because there was so much of what i was reading about the production of the film that related to that i couldn't not mention it well nudity is a very big part of this movie it is it's something it is I but fe- female nudity let's be clear yeah again <laughs> they're not showing any dicks in this movie but even the even the male space vampires were wearing like socks to conceal on their, their feet yes on their feet no on their space junk yeah right um, <laughs> on their soft docks to yeah. quote the film <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting the amount of nudity that there was in this film, I must admit. I don't know if I was expecting anything in this film, actually. I think I was constantly surprised what, what was going on. 
I'm just scratching my head a lot going, what? It's funny. I think going in blind was perhaps a good idea because it does seem to have a bit of a reputation because of the nudity. So I'm glad I didn't know that in advance and couldn't sort of prejudge the film yeah. in any regard. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Toby Hooper knowing all of that. Mm. And when you kind of add that to like what he put Marilyn Burns through in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I don't know, I, I've heard a lot of actresses and actors that work with him speak very highly of him, but I I always have pause maybe when yeah. I think about stuff like that. So who yeah. knows? Well, well, he's dead now. So but yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not here to disparage the, the dead man's character. Um, but yeah, he did also go on record and say the film is about men dealing with the feminine mystique or the feminine terror, as well as men dealing with the feminine inside themselves. What does feminine terror mean? I mm. guess the unknown, because there's like the, the stereotype of um men are from mars and women are from venus like men never oh, yeah. know what women are thinking they're mysterious that right. that sort of bullshit stereotype you know yeah that's okay. pretty outdated these days but still being peddled by the andrew tates of the world yeah okay so it's about that about those things then that's what he says yeah i don't yeah. know if that's what the author of the book intended or well what. that was what i was that's what i was going to ask i wonder if what the intentions of, of the book were and what their issues are with the movie apart from it not being very good um what it was they had an issue with um well interestingly the only uh the only quote i could find from colin wilson uh, was um he very much disliked the film but he said well at least there's lots of full frontal nudity so <laughs> even colin wilson has failed us <laughs> all right fair enough <laughs> and she was only 18 did you hear that Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> But yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. That's mm, not okay. that's not necessarily something that came across to me while mm. I was watching. I, obviously there was sort of some kind of comment about gender. Was there? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what this movie was about outside of space vampires come down and suck life out of people. Yes. And then maybe Picard does a shaky body thing <laughs> and goes, "Oh, no, I'm a vampire." No. Get out of me. And Make says something so. about somebody's been a naughty boy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think that was my favorite line. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> That's right, because um, they were doing the thing where, and this is another thing. It's like, oh, they can swap between bodies now as well, can they? They're just every five yeah. minutes there seemed to be a new thing. Like, oh, now I've got to remember this thing as well. <laughs> they suck life out of people. They have to do it every two hours. Sometimes they can transfer a little bit of their life force into you. If they want to. But then you have to feed every two hours. But then you have to feed every two hours. Or you hours. end up a desiccated husk. And maybe they want that life force back. But also they can transfer to different bodies sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they become Patrick Stewart. <laughs> One time. Yeah. And, and they were like, oh, we think it's in so-and-so body. And it was a, 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 an asylum. And uh, yeah, Patrick Patrick Stewart goes, oh, he's been a very naughty boy, that one. <laughs> Yeah, weird, strange, strange dialogue. Apparently that was Patrick Stewart's suggestion. It was supposed to be he's been bad. Oh, he's... But Patrick Stewart suggested the word naughty as a replacement. Yeah, I mean, just... And Hooper was like, yeah, nailed it. Fair enough. Let's go with that. He knows what he was going for. It is very... It's very difficult to take seriously. Do you think it was intended to be taken seriously? I hope not. 
I get I, the impression it was. Well, the things, sometimes if films are just very tongue in cheek, I can give them a, like way more leeway because, oh, it's meant to be silly. It's meant to be stupid. I didn't get that vibe from this. It felt very serious, actually. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, like not satirical in any way, just played straight for the most part. I guess so. That's kind of how it came across to me. And it's particularly like the delivery from the, the British side of the cast was very very kind of austere and serious well i don't know what austere means but i'm going to agree with you but yeah a lot of it is <laughs> is set in london which also yeah. took me by surprise mm, yeah i didn't know that no and it's um it's the Ameri- the astronauts were american and mm-hmm. one of them comes back well and then- it was um i i got the impression it was an american british co-mission i don't know what the word is yeah and then um one astronaut survives and then came after having Coulson. sabotaged the, the shit. Oh, yeah, how could I forget fucking Coulson? They say it about five <laughs> times in a minute. Coulson. Take a shot Coulson. every time they tell him he looks exhausted. Hey, Coulson. <laughs> yeah. Is that you, Coulson? I know you you're there, Coulson. Exhausted. But I kept thinking she was saying Colton. And I was thinking of that it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. And I was thinking, I'd much rather be watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> At any time, day or night. Well, no, I mean, if the choices are life force and <laughs> Some of the dialogue was really, really strange. Carlson. Um, And it kind of made me sad to find out that it was co-written by Dan O'Bannon. Did Dan O'Bannon write the Alien movie? He, he has a co-writer credit, I believe, okay. for Alien. But the reason he's one of my favourites is because he wrote and directed uh, Return of the Living Dead, which is one of my all-time favourite movies certainly my favorite zombie movie sorry george i got some return of the living dead how dare you i got some <laughs> return of the living dead vibes actually from some of the creature design same that was one of the comparisons i wrote down actually yeah and, and, and actually i would say maybe my favorite thing about this movie is some of the effects oh yeah a hundred percent i was like there were so many times where i was just like close to nodding off yeah and then like Patrick Stewart would hemorrhage from the face and make a sexy blood lady. And I'd be like, oh, you, I'm back in, you son of a bitch. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> that was brilliant. There was so much about it that was absolutely batshit insane. Yeah. And it would always reel me back in. Yeah. like Yeah. It was fascinating in a way. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it's one of, it was kind of impossible to predict where not necessarily where it was going to end up because i guess either things work out or they don't but mm-hmm. just where it just felt like so many left turns yeah like i yeah. completely forgot about the the blood demon <laughs> that was my favorite bit well i was i just think it got vi- uh, blade vibes from that and the, the blood god or whatever it was and Stephen dorf turns into the wibbly wobbly <laughs> cgi blood thing but i but i think the the, the effects in this are better than blade um the dodgy cgi in that movie but that blood stuff in this was was done very well um there were some really cool effects in yeah. this really inventive stuff yeah. i think another one of my favorite moments was i think either the first or second guy who's uh, had the life force sucked out of him and kind of been was it the vampirized the security guy yeah, or the one doctor of them. Uh, and they locked him up they put him in so- some sort of makeshift jail yeah and he the life starts to drain out of him and he becomes desiccated and runs at the bars and just like explodes into dust. Yeah. That was brilliant. And then they're all in just inhaling human. human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was some, considering what you just said about you didn't remember a lot of the film, some of it was actually super memorable. 
chunks of it. Yeah, no, I don't know why I was struggling to remember it, but um, but yeah, there's so much happens. I, maybe that's the problem. There's just yeah, there's so much being thrown at your eyeballs. So I'm just gets here and kind of like, well, I'm that was nuts. I'm never yeah. thinking about that again. <laughs> I need to go and lie down yeah. in a dark yeah. room for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how did you feel about the dialogue? Because I think this, to me, just to take it back to Dan O'Bannon and his two co-writers. I feel like this was perhaps the the movie's failing was the script. I don't I didn't have any thoughts about it particularly at the time. I'm sure it was a bit wobbly some of it. Yeah, I don't remember having any thoughts on that at all really to be honest. There was a lot of dialogue that made me cringe inwardly right. and probably outwardly. But yeah, there's a lot of really dated um a dated dialogue as well like there's one line that I wrote down saying I'm sure you'd rather be recuperating with a pretty nurse. That's just said apropos of nothing. Like, let's just make them sexist for no fucking reason other than it's the 80s and they're men. It was super weird and super, like, dated even in the 80s, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if the, he's tr- making a film about, what, what did you call it? F- feminine terror? Yeah, feminine mystique and feminine terror. That's what he said. I don't really understand. I mean, I get what, I do understand what they mean, but I can't. I can't get my head around it as a concept. Yeah. I, d- um, I certainly didn't get that from this film. So I'm guessing everything was, all of the creative decisions were kind of funneled through those fundamentals, but I maybe don't... to sort of draw more of a line between the sexes. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're giving it too much I think credit. We're clutching at straws a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, some of the dialogue as well, like they, um, I don't know. It just made me chuckle. It felt a bit Garth Marenghi at times. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You did actually mention that while we were watching it. And I thought, yeah, you've nailed that. Like they went so... full Marenghi. I was expecting Matt Berry to pop up in a, <laughs> in a doctor's coat. Yeah. <laughs> Is this hospital called St. Croc of shit? <laughs> um, but yeah, they say like observation window at one point. And that made just things like that that made me chuckle because that's like that's so redundant. Surely that's like saying entrance door. Yeah, all windows are observational by definition. Yeah, surely. Yeah, um, and it felt like is somebody trying to reach a word count here? Yeah, it was. It feels like there was a oddly. It feels like a lot was crammed into this, but at the same time, I have so many questions. Yeah, it that was just, remain unanswered. It was just nothing, and by the time. I'm kind of getting my head around a concept. Another one comes along and beats me around the head and I've forgotten (laughs) what the last thing was. And maybe that's why I just have trouble recalling this movie. Yeah. Because it was just crazy thing after crazy thing after crazy thing. And like I said, I just got to the end and was like, well, I'm going to wipe that from my brain. (laughs) But then maybe maybe because of that, it might warrant a a rewatch if I'm very, 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 very drunk. Or if you forget what it is and put it on by accident. Yeah. That's more likely, I would wager. I th- I Give it 10 years. I, th- I kind of remember a game on maybe the Master System called Life Force. Okay. And uh, maybe for the for a time I thought that this movie was based on that or vice oh, versa right. or, or something. Cause, but know. no connection? I don't know. I, I oh, su- so it still might be. <laughs> well, maybe. I, I, I assume not because what are the chances? Yeah, I definitely had that game when I was a kid and then probably heard about this. I'm sure you'd have remembered Full Frontal in a Master System game. There was no Full Frontal. <laughs> no, the, the pixels were covered up in that one. I think that was just like a, a space, you're in a little spaceship and you're flying through tunnels and 
space tunnels and shooting other spaceships and stuff. That sounds great. I don't remember there being any vampires. However, I am curious now, and I'm going to definitely Google that after. Because imagine if it was like a spin-off of the game or whatever. What were some of your favourite moments, if you had to pick any? I think what you mentioned earlier with the blood combo blob floating <laughs> thing, whatever that was. I think just, a lot of stuff with peace Stew was probably my favourite chunk of the movie. What's peace Stew? Patrick Stewart. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's what the kids call him, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's one of those people, isn't he, where you put him in a film, like Clancy Brown, just improves things. Yes. Uh, I love him. I think he's great. He's an absolute legend. And he made me laugh in this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's he was my favourite character. And some of the effects, I thought, were, were very memorable and very well done. Um, and really, that's my two favourite things. Yeah, I think one of my favourite scenes was when he was strapped to the table and they were drugging him because they realised that he'd been taken over. He'd been used as a host of some sort. And it struck me that Patrick Stewart was in a green room and was also in the film Green Room. <laughs> Where he's a Nazi. Yes. Yeah. Great film. Very good film. Yeah. Yeah. Punch a Nazi. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed that. And actually, there was a couple of moments during that scene and in that green room where obviously there's a lot of wide angle shots in this movie, but there was there was a point during that scene where I noticed the camera sort of turning. It was like, oh, we've got a Dutch angle going on. Mm. And there was there were moments that came so close to being brilliant. But for the most part, I find Toby Hooper's directorial style to be quite nondescript. Do you? Yeah. Is that mean? Um, I've like I, said, I don't know much about. I haven't seen many of his films. Yeah. I I mean, obviously, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was pretty groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. So I feel like uh, I'm not look. I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not saying that. I feel like he's very experimental, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and then maybe his kind of collab with Spielberg was kind of the perfect mix of that. Yeah. Um, in some way. And maybe that's why it works for me. But, you know, there's a bunch of people that, that love his movies. I just think a lot of the ones I've seen are probably not really for me. Um, and I think that's mainly because some of them just seem nuts for the sake of it. Yeah. A lot of just things that happen in Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Obviously played for laughs. Mm -hmm. Obviously not being serious. But I just was like, um, I'm not enjoying this. It was almost a pastiche of his own film, in a way. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're known for one thing, I understand why you would want to do that. Mm. Um, and fair play, he did something different. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There were there were definitely moments of greatness, but I feel mm. like they were outweighed by mundanity. That feels mean, but I'm going to stand by it <laughs> I, I was yeah oddly i was quite bored watching this even though like the, yeah. a lot of weird things happened i just kind of i was kind of looking forward to it ending so i didn't have to think about it anymore um a lot of things that really piqued my interest didn't get expanded on mm. like i would have loved to see more of the the bat creatures show me more of that that was great yeah well i'd like to know where they're from and why they're hanging around Haley's comet I didn't find Steve Railsback to be a compelling protagonist either. Who who was that? Carlson. Right. Okay. I found him the to astronaut. be a curious choice. I don't know. How did you feel about him? Because he he disappears for like a um, lot of the first act and then reappears, and I'm just I don't know. He didn't sell me. A little bland, maybe. Yeah. Not much to him. He just and maybe that was kind of the point, maybe because 
I don't know. We we said you mentioned earlier about Toby Hooper really trying to get big performances out of people. Mm -hmm. He's felt very uh, scaled back. Uh, maybe that was a little bit of the point. He'd had some of his uh, life juice sucked out of him, and he'd had some other life juice put into him. Um, I don't know what was going on there. But... <laughs> don't know the particulars. Yeah. We're not I, scientists. I guess in a way, it kind of just felt like he was kind of under a spell. Well, he sort um, of was. There was that implication yeah. towards the end that she'd kind of chosen him and that he was, because obviously she, she was like referred to as a world destroyer or a planet mm. destroyer or something like that. But she'd kind of chosen him to be spared because she'd seen something of herself in him. Yeah. Well, that was the understanding I took from that. Yeah, there was something along those lines that was said in the movie. And I, I was thinking, oh, is he like, are we going to do a weird timey-wimey thing here where he, like, all time exists at once? Not necessarily that, but yeah. is he some sort of, is he a space vampire himself and actually is igniting this in the past? And now, they, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I thought <laughs> he's, he was going to have more to do with the, the plot and the setup of the space vampires and there actually was but it just maybe was just a bit of throwaway dialogue but maybe that was more stuff that was in the book that wasn't really touched upon yeah but i think that's sort of one of my biggest complaints about the film is that a lot of the more interesting aspects didn't feel fully fleshed out or fully explored mm. but they chucked in a bunch of extraneous stuff like why did it need to be another woman why was she why had she just fucked off to yorkshire and got in a car with some rando like that we didn't need that mm. there, there would have been another way to take us to patrick stewart to take us to the asylum it just felt stuffed to the gills with ideas when i would have preferred it paired back and have the few sort of core ideas be given a bit more room to breathe yeah that's my biggest complaint yeah too much going on for me i think yeah um so yeah towards the end of the film obviously we're getting to the climax now how did you feel when it turns into a full-on zombie film that was I, so unexpected. I was quite happy because I thought, oh, well, this, this means that the film's nearly over. <laughs> and um, yeah, again, just another thing that I'm thinking about. Yeah. Another, oh, now they're kind of like zombies, but they, so one person has been turned into a vampire and then they have to suck another person and then they have to suck another person. Like, where does it end? It's just everyone sucking each other off for the rest <laughs> of the movie. I would have preferred that. <laughs> If you're going to do it, let's do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, too much. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I love like a uh, apocalyptic zombie movie. Mm -hmm. I love all that stuff. I love the imagery and everything. Um, but it was just another thing that was too much for this. Yeah, I didn't I didn't care for it. What What about you? Um, There was stuff about it that I liked. But again, yeah, it was just too much. I agree with that. But there was sort of there were things about it that really appealed to me because I'm a huge fan of Italian cinema. Well, Italian horror cinema, put it, put it that way. Um, Fulci. It, it, yeah, Fulci, one of the greats. Um, but yeah, it reminded me of a lot of those sort of Italian or even Spanish American co-productions that was like half dubbed really badly. Generally the acting's all a bit wonky production values are a little bit suspect and it had shades of, um, like, one thing that really sprang to mind was Nightmare City, which is an Umberto Lenzi film, which is absolutely full merengue and definitely deserves a watch if you haven't seen it. But yeah, there were definitely glimpses of that. Also stuff like Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue um, or Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, I think is its alternative title. But yeah, there was a, there was a bunch of stuff that really made me think of those kind of co-productions 
with the bad dubbing and I would not have been at all shocked to see some dubbing. Yeah. And I would love to know if that was an intentional inspiration. But yeah, I did I did enjoy some of the zombie stuff. Mm. That was it's, it's it was unexpected. It went in a direction I definitely didn't see coming. So props for that, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, there could have been a, a giant bird that had a, a giant spaceship on somebody and I'd go, that was unexpected. <laughs> didn't work, but I wasn't expecting it. Fair. Do you know what I was expecting, actually? Because just going back to the ship design, I noticed that the 150 mile wide... Are you going to talk long... about the coffin shape? No. Oh. But put a pin in that um <laughs> yeah at the end of it there was this weird like it almost looked like talons on the end of it and i thought okay oh, oh yes yeah yeah and i thought oh i i reckon this spaceship is gonna like you know um i don't know what's that movie oh i can't i can't think of the name of it but i thought that the ship was maybe gonna insert itself onto the earth and start literally start sucking the life force out of the earth i thought and then it was gonna like store all of the energy for the vampires to feed on on the ship so I was like, oh, that would be cool. And it didn't happen. I thought, oh, it's the one thing that didn't happen in this movie. <laughs> that hit the cutting room floor. Yeah. Maybe that's a result of the poster. Maybe there's some image that Maybe. I've seen. And that, that kind of led me down that path. But yeah, that didn't happen. That's what Greta Thunberg is warning against. Space vampires. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember that speech. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Coffin's... Coffin. I remember there being some coffin shapes. Were they, were they doors or like there the was entrance like, to the ship or something? Yeah, like to, right at the beginning, there was a panel that sort of came away, and it was the shape of a coffin, and that's what the yeah. um, astronauts came out of. And then they find the three humanoids, and they're basically in what could be described as glass coffins. So there's definitely a lot of death symbolism yeah. that has to be intentional. Yeah, of course. What if they're vampires? You know. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> i'd watch a taika watiti reboot of this movie hell yeah 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 bring back jermaine clement vladislav the poker <laughs> so nick you're eating worms <laughs> <laughs> in summation how do you feel about this film and I, would you ever watch it again you've already sort of I, touched I, on that i but. sort of said that yeah um the only way that I'm watching this is is if I've had a lot to drink and there's a few people over and you just want to have a laugh. Sadly, it didn't really do much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, reality is I probably never will watch it again, but I think that's probably the only scenario where I would because I was, like I said, kind of bored watching it, which is yeah. crazy for me to th- like, think about, especially talking Remembering about how much was going on. And yeah. remembering how much went on. I think- it's not for me this movie how do you feel about this one i i got more out of it than you did but i'm inclined to agree for the most part yeah i i don't know how keen i am to revisit it but there was there was so much about it that was heaps of fun and i can see why people really like it i definitely can but a lot of it just didn't work for me Mm. i'd say like 50 percent of it really fucking worked and then the other half was absolutely not for me. <laughs> yeah, okay. It was, it, was a very, it was a weird one in our lineup as well. Yes. Like thinking about the movies in our Alien series, obviously we started with Predator, mm-hmm. The Man Who Fell to Earth, Arrival, Starship Troopers, uh, Life Force, and then obviously we've got a couple coming up after that. But looking at all of them, and they're, they're all quite different, and we try to pl- program our seasons so we get 
you know, quite different movies and think about scheduling and stuff. But this one feels like such an outlier. <laughs> it feels it kind of sticks out when I look at the lineup yeah. now and think that's a weird movie, and a weird choice. Um, but I'm glad that it's done. We've 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 got it out of the way. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's weird. I, I, I guess a lot of the films we've already spoken about are quite cerebral, apart from Predator. And Starship Troopers. <laughs> Starship Troopers well, is, is not necessarily cerebral or thought-provoking, but satirical. There's more right? to it. It's yeah. a satire and it's fun and it's, yeah, it's, it has, it can be enjoyed on a few different levels. Yeah. And in that makes an excellent movie. Um, this one, I feel like doesn't have much to say in a sci-fi genre and i think for me as well sci-fi movies when they're done really well they, they are adding layers and they are about human stories and even if you're looking at an alien race it's really a reflection of of us and maybe they were trying to go for that in in this movie what you were saying about the what did you call it the feminine terror mm. yeah <laughs> um obviously my, there was some there was a goal there it just didn't yeah. fully translate for me it didn't all land yeah I would say watch it for the double entendres. There was a lot of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So. Do you want to tell people what we're covering next week? I do. Next week. Ak ak. Ak ak. Ak ak. Ak ak. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can stay up to date with us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at sth underscore pod or support us on Patreon. Everything will be linked in the description.